Thank you, team. All right, good morning. Let's have a good morning together. What do you guys think? You have a good morning? All right, let's have a good morning. Um, also, I just wanted to, to kind of announce before I get started with the message, uh, Wednesday night we had, a, uh, we had an Ash Wednesday dinner for our midweek, to start off our midweek series, and uh, we introduced a lady who is Ukrainian, came as a guest uh, of a longtime member here at the church, and so we're, I'm just starting communications with her, but my hope and, and, and plan is that we will be able to, um, she's, she's Ukrainian and she also grew up in Poland, so with her connections that we can find a way to support a church who then can support a community and support other people there. And so sort of stay tuned. We'll talk about it Wednesday and probably next Sunday as well because I know we're all praying, but, but it would sure be nice to uh, put some skin in the game, put some action to our prayers. What do you guys think about that? All right, so we will, um, we're going to try to get in touch directly with the pastor there, local church, and uh, try to try to give as much support as we can. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, when I was younger, I probably would have got on a plane and gone over there. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that would be helpful at this point. I'm not sure that one of their body in the way would, would do it. But uh, I, can't, I, I can't sit there and do nothing. I just, I can't do nothing. So let's do that. All right? Will you guys join me? All right. I'll, I'll give you the details uh, really soon, as soon as we can iron them out. Um, okay, following Jesus. Um, I don't know where to start, so I'll just start somewhere. Vicky told me I probably should explain some things that I screwed up last week, so I could start there. Do you want me to start there, or do you? Like she said, you, you said you're going to forbid celebrating Easter. You probably should elaborate. You should probably explain that. So I could do that. You want to talk about that? I mean, here's what I meant. Um, because I thought it would be great if, if I took out an ad in the paper that says, local pastor forbids celebrating Easter. And people would probably read it. Um, but where I was headed was, it, it's, um, this is a series about following Jesus, about following him, not about clapping for him. So he never asked anyone to clap for him. And you can, I guess. Because, you know, it's sort of like um, you, you admire somebody that you probably intend to follow, but you can admire people and never follow them. Am I close? Um, you can clap for somebody, think, man, what they did is amazing. And that tends to be what Easter is about. It's about let's all clap for what Jesus did. And what, what he was saying is what I did, I also want you to do. Come follow me. What I did, I want you to do. Did we pick up on this anywhere? So it's laced in the Gospels over and over and over and over again. Jesus said, come and follow me. Now, what that meant 2,000 years ago was you left your, your fishing equipment and you got up and you walked with him from Capernaum to uh, Bethsaida or some other place. You followed him. And, of course, you participated in his movement as well. Today, we have to ask ourselves this question. What does that mean today? First of all, it's implied that he would want us to follow him today. 
But then we have to ask the obvious question, well, what in the world would that mean? That's a worthy question. Dare I say, I don't think a lot of us have really thought about that question. And I'll have to say for myself, I'm old now. I was young. Wow, I'm not young anymore. And I'm a pastor. And I had to ask myself, I don't think I've really thought about that. I assumed. Anybody here ever assume? There's a saying about assuming. Do you know it? We'll talk about it after church, all right? And, and I assumed that I knew what that meant. And what I assumed was, well, I should go to church a lot. They talk about Jesus a lot there. I should read the Bible. I should get baptized. I should, anybody with me on the list of religious things to do? But how many of you know you can do all of those things and not follow Jesus? In fact, it's actually brilliant if you do those things and don't follow him. Because now you have cover. You have a Jesus fish on your car. Huh? Everybody knows you're a follower. But his message, which, which I hope to really dive in. I mean, I hope you'll mm, hope you dig in this series. But his message was what he called the kingdom of God. And I've taught this before years and years ago and, 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 and many times throughout. So if you're newer to Orchard Grove, one final reminder this was not about heaven. It just wasn't. Because the way he talked about it, if you put two and two together, though it's sometimes said the kingdom of heaven, it was a substitution for the word God, which we don't have time to dive into, but it, it, because he said the kingdom of God is among you. Remember this? So it had to do with how things could be here. That was his main vision. We'll just call it his vision. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then his message was repent. We talked about this. So to enter it, to experience it, how about that? We'll use it to experience the kingdom, which is a really good thing. But to experience it, you needed to repent. To repent, as we talked about last week, just a little review, and then I'm going to dive in. One minute of review. You, I'll do it anyway. You guys know you might as well. All right. One minute of review. Repent was not a religious word. Today, repent is a religious word. So if you go to work tomorrow and you start talking about repenting all the time, people are going to look at you funny. You know, we have this business plan and we're thinking about modifying our business plan and going into a different strategy. You would say we're going to modify and rethink and re-strategize, something like that. But you probably wouldn't say, you know, we had a business strategy. We were going to go global on the West Coast and this, that, blah, blah, blah. And you go, but we've repented and now we're going to go on the East Coast. Does anybody ever say that in business? No. But it was, a, it was a word. It wasn't a church word. It was a word that meant we're going to change strategies, directions. And, and so it, Jesus used this, and he says, if you're going to experience this thing I call the kingdom of God, which is righteousness and peace and joy, it's the opposite of what's going on in Russia. That helps. It's the opposite. You're going to have to repent or so I'm going to give you a different word. This is what I keep trying to explain to people. Because I use different words doesn't mean I'm afraid to use them. It's just that it, no one gets it anymore. People think of repent as you go to church and tell God you're sorry. This isn't telling God you're sorry. This is changing the direction of your life. They're very different ideas. 
This is rethinking and rearranging, reorienting. That is, your life is oriented towards something. We all have an orientation of, of our life. This is, the, this is what our life is about. When I was 10, my life was oriented towards Muhammad Ali. That was it. That's all I thought about. What did he eat? What does Rocky eat? I, I did. I ate raw eggs all the time because I saw Rocky eat raw eggs. Anybody with me? Did anybody do dumb things? No? I mean, I just ate raw eggs. I saw it on, I saw it on a movie. That's what Rocky did. And I got, I got a sweatsuit just like Rocky's. Is anybody with me? Did anybody wear the, the gray sweats with the, like, shorts over top of them? Anybody close to my age? Don't act like you. Oh, thank you, my brother. Thank you. All right. And you go running through the streets, you know. And, and, and if we would have had the, you know, the steps in Philadelphia, I would have ran those. And I, I, I saw something that I wanted to model, and I mimicked my, oriented my life that way. Are you with me? Jesus was saying, you're going to have to reorient your life. That's a better word because we understand it. Like, I, and to reorient, I have to rethink. Am I, am I thinking about this right? Is this going to get me where, where we need to go? And so clapping is fine, but it just scratches the surface. And if you clap, you can, you can cheat yourself into thinking you're following. That's the key. There, I got it. Took me a while to get there. If I clap, I can cheat myself into thinking I'm following. Because, man, when they, did the, the, when they rolled the tomb at church, I was just like. But it has nothing to do with you changing your day-to-day -day life. It has nothing to do with that. I'm close. Well, Jesus said it this way. Many of you say, Lord, Lord. You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. What would he prefer? Or if you go to the Old Testament, I'm just trying to answer Vicky's question because she told me you screwed up last week, and this is just to straighten it out. He said, I don't need your offerings and your sacrifices. In other words, the church services, the noise, it's, the prophet was like, ah, That's all in the Bible. Like, the prophet was like, God is holding his ears. Can you imagine that? That'd be hard for us to swallow the thing that, like, God's in heaven and he's just like, ah, orchard grove, the noise. It's supposed to be our, our, our singing was supposed to be a sweet smelling, what? Sacrifice. In other words, it was supposed to be sweet, but it, it was because it wasn't action. It was just noise. It was just celebrating. They weren't taking care of the poor. They weren't doing the things that God had told them to do. And so he's like, can we stop with that? And can we start with the reorienting of our lives? In other words, it's easy to go to church. So we're like, it ain't that easy. It's a lot easier than rearranging your life. That's where the tough, that's where the picking up the cross comes in. Okay, Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. James and John, two of the disciples, brothers. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It's a good start. James and John, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. Now, to me, is it possible that we, is it possible that we misunderstood Jesus? 
I'm going to give you guys one more chance or I'm going over here. Is it possible that we've misunderstood Jesus? They wildly misunderstood Jesus. They were the 12 disciples. These two cats were in the inner circle of the three of the 12. You don't get much closer to Jesus than James and John. And their first thing is, give us whatever we want. I think Jesus was like, maybe we should start over. <laughs> but here's what's funny. 2,000 years later, this is similar to how people think following Jesus is. Oh, you follow Jesus because he can give you all this stuff. Like you have a best friend with a lot of power. And whenever you need him, he gives it to you. And boy, it works for like a year or two. And then when you really need something and it doesn't happen, your faith gets all jumbled up because somebody sold you the wrong stuff. Can God do anything? Of course. Is the point of following Jesus getting what you want whenever you want it? Probably not. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. And Jesus plays along. Uh, well, what is it, guys? What would you like me to do for you? And they said, let us sit at your right hand and the other at your left. <laughs> oh, man. I, there's hope for all of us, right? Because these were the disciples. <laughs> Just thinking of the team, Lord. Uh you don't know what you're asking, Jesus says. Can you drink the cup I drink? Can, and he's saying, can you go through the suffering I'm going to go through? We can. Sure. Jesus says, you, you will drink this cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. And then he goes on and he says, we'll, we'll unpack that later. The 10 heard about this. Of course, there's 10 more disciples. And word gets out. They had a special, like, pull aside with Jesus. Nothing big, just... We're just Google mapping Capernaum. And the, the other ten, they hear about it, and, and they're like, well, that's not cool. Anybody have strife at the office? Anybody have strife at home? Well, they're not happy. And so they come to Jesus, and Jesus says, Jesus says um, guys, come here, let's, let's get a reset. He calls them together, a reset. That's kind of what, that's kind of what I want to do for the weeks leading up to Easter, if you'd let me. I just want to get us back together. I mean, literally, it's like physically... We're kind of be allowed to, you know, the, the cult, I mean, and, and, but I think mentally we need a reset. We do. And, and I, I very much think I'm included. Let's rethink it. Is it possible we miss Jesus? You're like, oh, no, no, I got Jesus songs I've been singing. But here's why. If we claim to follow him, but we're just cheering for him, then we are, we've deceived ourselves. That's the worst position to be in when you've deceived yourself. It's the worst. Anybody ever deceive yourself about something? Anybody ever deceive yourself about the food you're eating? I won't. Huh? 
Yeah, come on, let's think. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you just talk yourself into eating the nuttiest things. I saw somewhere on Dr. Phil you could eat whipped cream eight hours a day and lose weight. And, or, or, you, or you convinced yourself that, you know, like, here's what I do. Like, I eat one cookie at a time. So I walk to the kitchen. I don't get seven. I'm going to eat seven. Is anybody, does anybody with me? But I just eat one at a time. Like, this is better somehow. It's better. I, I'm deceived. Does anybody deceive yourself in some way? Does anybody deceive yourself financially? You go to the mall and use a credit card so it doesn't hurt. I mean, when you pull out, like, that hurt. Is it hurt? Like, ah, credit card. It's like, I don't know. Somewhere down the line, it's going to be in the mail. And you deceive yourself. We deceive ourselves all the time. When you deceive yourself about this, it's a problem because you think you've locked into following Jesus. I think so. But... We haven't really asked ourselves, what kind of things would he want us doing? What would that be like today? What I need to reorient some things in my life? I'll be honest, as I started preparing this series, I always thought, there's already a lot of things, Chris, that you really need to reorient. Anybody can go to church. That's easy. Rearranging how you treat people, how you handle things, what you do with your time, all of these things, that's a completely different animal. Um, one of the big things that's happened is we've, we've put it in a category, put Jesus in a category of religion. So without even thinking, again, we've, we've assumed that's what he was. He was a religious person. The reality is he was much, much, much bigger than that. Of course, he was a part of his religion. Of course, religion was a big part of his world. And of course, he challenged his own religion. But he challenged everything. So he gets everyone together. That's what I want to do during this series. I just want us to get together. He gets them together and he starts to talk to them. The other problem about people assuming that they're following Jesus and they're not, is that it puts a bad taste out in the world. And so a lot of people are passing up on the heroism of Jesus, probably because of us, because we're not living heroic lives, but we're just sticking fish on our car. His life was, I mean, we're drawn to heroic people. There's just no doubt. We just are. We just, we're magnetized to courageous, selfless, and generous. That's a hero. We're magnetized to them. And that's what Jesus was. He was courageous. He took on the system. There was a system in his day. You know, the system was to control the people of his uh, of his heritage, they used religion. And so the religion went through the temple. And the temple was a huge building in Jerusalem. And what you would do is you would go there one time to up to four times a year. You were mandated to go there. So you were good with God. So there's a lot of power to an ordinary person that really needs to feel that they're good with God. And so what they would do is they would say, you need to come here, and so you can be good with God, you need to bring a sacrifice. But you need to bring a perfect sacrifice. That sheep in your uh, backyard is not going to do. You're going to need to get this one. 
So you made the, you made the trek to Jerusalem, and then you had to buy their sacrifice, not yours. Oh, but the money you have is Gentile money. It's unclean money. So before you're allowed to buy this sacrifice, you're going to need to go over to this area where they exchange money and turn in your unclean money for temple money. Guess what the exchange rates were? Now you're allowed to go with clean money over to this section, and you go over here, and this is where you can buy your perfect sacrifice, which was on sale. And by the time you got there, you were completely oppressed. Are you starting to pick up why Jesus went and kicked over some tables? Huh? This isn't the right system. And so Jesus says, you know, he gets, he has, gets them together. Let's, let's start over. Let's start over. I wish I could do that. No matter how hard I preach this or share this message or... People are locked into what they think Jesus is about. I mean, they're locked. They're lasered. That's why people talk about me because they, he's wrong. Fine, I'm wrong. But listen, he calls them together and he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. It was a lordship system people with power, and they oppress the others. And Jesus says, you guys are trying to follow the system that I'm trying to break. You're about worried about what throne am I going to be on? Now, when Jesus says this, we, to me, most of us, we go, I don't know, give me something good. But the rulers of the Gentiles, they knew all these stories. If you read in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, you read about Herod. Remember Herod? Herod's dad the Herodians, they had a crime family, all right? They make the mobsters in Chicago look like kitty cats. True. And so Herod, um, when he's young, his dad gives him the Galilee area, and he gives his, brother, his older brother the Jerusalem area, and then these invaders come in from another part, and, they're, and they, chase, they chase him out of town. And the older brother gets talked into going to a peace, a peace discussion, Herod, the younger brother, goes, no. He's like 30 years old. He goes, I wouldn't go, bro. That doesn't smell good to me. Sure enough, they just use the peace talks to grab him. Does this sound like anything going on in our world today? People go, oh, it's all falling apart. I'm like, just read a little more. This stuff's been going on forever. I call this message Game of Thrones. This is the original Game of Thrones, right? And the disciples, they want in on it. They, they want in on it. Jesus is beside himself. You want in on this? So Herod takes off. He gets wind that his brother, though he was captured, took his head and smashed it against a stone wall so his brains came out so they wouldn't be able to kill him. He killed himself. He goes down to Egypt, probably on a horseback, as fast as he can, and meets up with Cleopatra. Game of Thrones, you guys should read this stuff. 
Cleopatra gets him a ship to go to see her lover in Rome, Mark Antony. Herod goes to Mark Antony, and he pleads, um, I'm the guy, I'm the guy, make me king. I'll, I'll. And Mark Antony was part of the triumvirate with a guy named Octavian, who was the, a step, uh, the, the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And he walks out of the Senate, and they vote him king of the Jews, king of the Jewish land, king of Judea. But he's got to go conquer it. No problem. Herod goes in there. He starts smashing heads, and he takes over all of the area. Um, meanwhile, Mark Antony and Octavian, they had a little feud, and so there was a civil war over who would be the emperor of Rome. And because Mark Antony was the one that received him, and he was friends with Cleopatra, who was neighbors to, he backs Mark Antony. Wrong move, Herod. And he loses in a naval battle, the Battle of Actium. And Mark Antony and his lover Cleopatra, they flee down to Africa. Herod's like, uh-oh. I backed the wrong horse. With his tail between his legs, he sails to the island of Rhodes to find out his fate with Octavian, who would become Augustus, who you'll read about in Luke chapter 2. And this is his, his appeal. He puts aside all of his royalty, his diadem, all these things, and he just comes in there and he says, basically a paraphrase, uh, sir, I know I chose the wrong friend, but you can't fault me for being a loyal friend to the friend that I chose. And he bought it. And he said, you can live. And he sent him back, and Herod began a 36-year rule that was brutal. That's... That's the Herod you read about in Matthew 2 that slaughters the children. He killed his own wife. He got wind. Maybe she wanted to have something to do with the throne. It was Game of Thrones all over the place. It was power, hunger, and power, and hunger. And the disciples were doing what? They were just getting sucked right into it. Here's the thing. Look here. We get sucked into stuff all the time. We don't want to admit it. It's hard to admit we're getting sucked into things. I went to Disney the other day with Charlie. Turns out Disney's a thing. May I say it politely? It's a cult. You have to wear the thing. You have to talk the thing. You have to, you have to pay everything you owe. I spent all of Charlie's college savings not what I have now. Not I mortgaged it for, to, and it's a call. And you 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 get. But what happens is, it becomes something, and then you want it, and it becomes a part of you. And what the disciples were is, they were just a part of something, and it was it was getting inside of them. You see, Jesus says, "Look, not so with you. Not so with you." Let's say it together. One, two, three. Not so with you. That's how it's going on. You got intrigue. And by the way, Cleopatra comes back down afterwards, and she puts the moves on Herod. It's, it's, all, it's all Game of Thrones. It's all. And he goes, not so with you. Not so. We're going to do this differently. 
if there's one thing that you have to think about following Jesus is you'd have to stand out. Not so with you. Instead, everybody say instead. Instead. We need something different. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant. We need to live heroic lives. What's a hero? By the way, we need, we need people to live heroic lives today. Hero is not famous. We got all kinds of people chasing fame. That's not what a hero is. Hero is not famous. Now, some heroes become well-known. Are you with me? Some heroes are not well-known. They never become famous. People never know the heroic things that they do. The mother that gives birth and takes care of her kids and her body is, is given to her family and her kids and, and, and she, she milks cows and she carries water. And she, hmm? Hero. The dad that goes to work week after week after week and provides and does hero. But this is the thing. Heroism is when you live a life that's greater than yourself. The disciples were following Jesus, but they weren't. I mean, they were literally following him, but they didn't get it. They, they still, but, but who, what? But I know we're going to take, that's why Peter pulls Jesus aside when he says he's going to die. He's like, well, that's not going to work. That's not the career path I was thinking of. I left fishing for. And here's the other problem. We're telling everyone to chase happiness. And we have to stop saying that to people. I mean, I know it's guaranteed in the Constitution that you can pursue it if you're American. But that doesn't mean it's smart to pursue it. Well, that's dumb, Chris. Of course you should pursue happiness. Should you? Should you pursue happiness? And if so, how's that working? Where every day you wake up and go, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. This is what we've told the kids, and it's not going well. Get up and pursue a job. J-O-B. Get up and pursue responsibility. Get up and pursue purpose. Get up and do something with your life. Stop pursuing. Why? Because happiness is so elusive. There's a whole book in the Old Ecclesiastes. It's chasing the wind. When do you get there? Never. Because if happiness is your goal, it's something you're never going to arrive at. But heroism, not fame, Heroism, becoming a servant. For even, Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. The cross, the cross is the ultimate expression of Jesus' life. It's the culmination of his life. Why do we celebrate the cross? Why do we wear them and carry them? Because it's an expression of ultimate heroism that he laid down his life. And it was complete opposite 
of how people lived their lives in that day. What if we told our kids to live heroic lives? Whether they were ever found out or not, whether they were ever discovered or not, but you live for something bigger than yourself. You'll get something better than happiness. I call it fulfillment. Fulfillment goes way down in your gut. Happiness is here, man, it's gone. I'm not happy, I'm not happy. So I'm like my three-year-old. I'm not happy, I'm not happy. No kidding. Right? I just mortgaged our future for this trip to Orlando, and you're not happy. Is anybody with me? Why? Because all we're pursuing is happy. It's a bad thing to pursue. Pursue heroism. Pursue Christ. Not to be served, but to serve. You know when you're happiest, by the way? When you're not thinking about yourself. That's the kicker. That's the whole thing Jesus taught. Everything he taught was upside down. You're happiest when you're not thinking about yourself. You're happiest when you're thinking about somebody else, when you're doing for somebody else, and then the fulfillment comes. It's true. You can read psychological articles about people that, you know, their PhDs will tell you the exact same thing. Or you could listen to Jesus. He told you a long time ago to serve, not to be served. As we progress in the weeks. We're going to explore many things that Jesus taught that were upside down to how people lived and believed and thought. And all I'm asking you to do today is this. When you, this is your homework as you leave or as you, online as you sort of close out the day. Here's the homework. What does it mean for me to follow Jesus today? What would that look like? The answer is going to be different for every person in this room. Every person online, it's, every, it's different. And when Jesus says, pick up your cross, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? And I want you to think about that throughout the week. All right, let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. When, um, I think it's early in the Gospel of John, uh, Andrew, I think it's Andrew, finds Jesus, and he's like, hey, come meet this guy, and, and he's incredible, and, and, and someone else says, like, where's he from? He goes, Nazareth, and he's like, oh, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Are you with me? Because people assume. They assume. And one of the things that's happened in our culture is people assume, he went to church yesterday, nothing good comes out of there. Why? Because too many people clapping. Not enough people what? Following. There's a lot, of, a lot of things that could change if each one of us made a commitment to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it perfectly. Let's start there. I'm not going to do it perfectly. But I am going to do it intentionally. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference. I am going to intend to rearrange my affairs, reorient my life in the direction of Jesus and the cross. That might cost me something. 
but I'm at least willing to think about it and not assume that I've already done it. I'm not even asking you to follow him yet. I'm asking you to think about thinking about it. That's how far back we are. But I think, because I think a lot of us haven't done that, I don't put myself out there. Dear Lord, help us today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your courage. That you lived a heroic life. And you called us to do the same. And so God, give us the courage and the willingness to rethink our own life in light of the way that you lived yours, in light of the fact that you called many to follow you. And we hear your voice calling us today. Come, follow me. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove. Good to see you. God bless.